It's Somebody Likes It. Uh, so, Kevin, we have a guest coming, is that correct? Yeah, so we've been talking about doing this for a while, and um, one of my partners in crime that I work with on the 20 by 2 show is coming in from San Francisco uh, and is going to sit in with us on next week's podcast. So, um, well, Shane can tell you later in the in tonight's podcast what we're doing for that one. Yes, I, I changed my albums, and for those of you that listen to the show uh, or have list, or listened to last week's, I was going to – I had picked a Fantagram record, but I changed my mind, and I picked a new one. And do you know what it is, Ryan? Curveball. Uh, I think Kevin told me, and I promptly forgot. Well, I'm going to hold out. We'll talk about it in a little while. But anyway – yeah, anyway, so we're excited. To, we've been meaning to um, bring on a fourth guest from time to time, and so we've got our <laughs> guinea pig. That'll be happening the next podcast, and uh, he's got some stories to tell, so it he's, will he's not be dull. Friend, he's our friend Jeff. Yes. Uh, so look forward to that, and in the meantime, uh, let's talk about what we got going tonight. Well, so this week's uh, record is Vampire's, Vampire Weekends. Vampire's Weekends. Vampire's Weekends. Vampire's <laughs> Vampire Weekend's uh, eponymous debut record from 2008. Um, What's it called? It's called Vampire Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Vampire Weekend's eponymous album from 2008. <laughs> That's an That's, amazing title. It's really specific. Yeah. And time appropriate. That's so we, so I, I think that Fiona Apple needs to co-op. A, a similar title for her next release. <laughs> Fiona Apple's eponymous <laughs> release from 2014. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> An audience of four. Although librarians seem to love this record. I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know, right? uh, but anyway, yeah. So so this so yes, is the one Vampire we've put out a, a self-titled. Vampire uh, Weekend. Not Vampires. Not Vampires. <laughs> you just said Vampires. So no. Vampires. Vampires. Dinks. Anyway. We're just going to do the rest of the podcast like movies. Good. No, 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 no. No. So so the Vampire uh, Weekend record. Yes. Why is this so difficult? Well, I'll tell you. So so Ryan and I had a conversation uh, like several days ago. This was fun. Yeah. Ryan and I had a conversation several days ago, and I was like, oh, hey, by the way. Uh, I told him that my wife had bought the record like just by dumb luck that we're covering this weekend, and I was like, I haven't really soaked it up yet, but I'm, you know, we I can listen to it on the hi-fi. That'll be fun. And uh, and I was like, I'm I'm really looking forward to digging into that Arcade Fire record. And Ryan goes, Well, that's not what we're listening to. But <laughs> you, you listen to Arcade Fire all you want. <laughs> we're not gonna talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> but but the thing that the thing that occurred to me is that. I put Arcade Fire and Vampire Weekend sort of in the same bucket. Like, they were these bands that blew up, and they were everywhere, and I just didn't follow the herd on those when they were hot. I've done and that. I missed a lot of it. I've so. done that before, too, with bands that, I mean, because Arcade Fire and Vampire Weekend, while played on similar formatted radio, don't they really don't, sound anything No, they like don't sound anything alike. And one no. has, like, 12 members and plays, you know, bizarre instruments, and the other one is... Four dudes from Columbia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, sonically, the, you know, it's ironic that you could ever get those two bands confused, but but it was just like, uh, and I think that... Well, there was a sim- similar uh, cultural impact that they there was, had. There was a similar cultural impact, and I told Ryan a story, um, actually, last 20 by 2 plug, I promise, but the, I told Ryan a story from a, from a, there was a girl who was who is a... A rock photographer out of Chicago who came down and did a show 
Sounds like a setup for a joke. Well, I mean, it, it is kind of. It <laughs> is rock kind photographer of. from Chicago <laughs> walks into a bar. <laughs> what? Anyway, um, but she's actually she's actually really funny, and she told quite a few jokes, and not and, and one of them was that like if you were trying to get along with people at South by and you went South by Southwest, you just wanted to fit in, then uh, here are a list of words that she was like, just put any of these two words together, and it'll sound like you're in a popular band. And one of them was vampire, and another one was weekend, and another was arcade, and there was fire, and then you know whatever. Um, and, I don't want to hear Vampire Fire, though. <laughs> vampire Fire. That sounds like an amazing magician. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, and she also, she also went on to say that um, failing that, that you could just tell people that you're either in broken social scene or odd future. And she's like, even people that are in the band won't know that you're not in the band. <laughs> so You know, I actually think I've had an arcade weekend. <laughs> yeah. Were you like 12? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, drop me off the ball. <laughs> Pocket full of quarters. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so so circling back, that's that's why I ended up kind of putting this this album in that bucket of like just stuff that was culturally – uh, everywhere, everywhere for a while, yeah. and I just and I just backed away from it, and never ended up getting to know. And of course, obviously, these guys have been successful and put out several albums since then. So I was I was actually pleased that you that you picked this, even if I originally sort of mixed it up with something else. Well, that, that is something that I've noticed that you do, like um, yeah. like you know, you're just like I'm not jumping on that bandwagon right now. I think you can that with, uh, sure White Stripes and The Strokes. Um, That's true. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's funny that you mentioned the Strokes too because they get called into even though this band is not sort of sonically um, an imprint of theirs, there are some things that are there are some elements of what they do sonically that are a little bit overlapping. Four white guys. Yes. Well, I think it's more than that. And but I'm, I'm kidding. I'm four white guys from New York. <clears throat> kind of a taut sound, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um, anyway, there. Yeah, there are some things that uh, that sound a little bit of. Like, well, a little bit like they have a Albert Hammond Jr. imprint on them. But uh, <clears throat> what are you guys' yeah. thoughts? I mean, about this instead of we're we're, we're going off talking about a, a a lot of other good bands. But what sure. are you guys, Ryan? I mean, what did you think about it? Oh, I you picked it. it. I dig it, and that's why I picked it. Because sometimes I have to listen to a record I'm not crazy about, and I've heard <laughs> enough of this. To know that I thought you were going to say I've heard enough of the records I'm not crazy about. <laughs> well, that that too. <laughs> there are things that we have listened to, and, and you podcast. assholes. This week we're going to listen to something I like. Damn it, kind of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I you know I, I work with uh, some younger folk, and I was actually like we're closing the restaurant the other night. I'm like, hey man, why don't you throw on the first Vampire Weekend record? And they're like, yeah, let's listen to that. Um, and I couldn't really do the same with say. Hank Williams Jr. High Notes. Or yeah. <laughs> no, look it up. It's a slippery it's, when I'm sure slippery it's, it's yeah. got to be there on Groove Shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the kids aren't listening to Slippery When Wet. No. I mean, somebody's kids are. But, uh, you know. up in New Jersey, they're yeah. still well, spinning that shit. Right. God. <clears throat> they're crispy bangs. Uh, but yeah, I love this record. I mean, I knew only really knew the singles, and, and today, really, those are the ones that I... I know the best, but um, but I think it's a solid record. Like, I, you know, to my opinion, it warrants the hype. I definitely have some opinions. Um, I thought on, you might. Yes, yeah. Well, and I don't really like 
we've said in the past, I don't really pay attention to lyrics unless they're particularly good or particularly bad. And um, Shane tends to I like, focus in on that stuff. I don't focus in on the lyrics. I just it's if they're egregiously awful, then well, that's fun. But but I mean, yeah, for this for, for this particular record, I definitely am going to talk about the lyrics a little bit. But I think that um, it's pretty fucking irresistible for about half of it. I mean, the first... Well, I didn't notice that they front-load the record. Yeah, it's um, completely... It's almost split in half. Like, the, the first six songs are... Um, I mean, it, it was, I think Mansard Roof, the first song, the first single, the first song on the record, is one of the best singles of the last decade, without a doubt. I, I could. It's heartbreakingly beautiful. You know, that album is actually so front-loaded that if you set it on the side of a table, the back half just breaks off. Like... Hate it when that happens. I know. Yeah. So, buy that. Buy it in digital format. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. See, just even another reason. It's science. To get rid of old. So we're really we're talking about mm-hmm. science. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, sure. Um, I did. I'm sorry, Shane. Do, you, do we want? To no, no, no. We can continue it? to talk about this. I just I wanted to say that, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about a, a, a whole host of things that um, I made notes about. But yeah, it's you're right, Ryan, and I think you and I are on the same page there. I mean. Uh, it, there are 11 tracks on the record. Track one through six are all awesome. And then they're just beca- it becomes more and more pedestrian as it goes on. Novelty and pedestrian. There's some novelty stuff. I don't. I just don't. I don't get it. Like it, it sort of where they start treading water. I mean, but nothing on the on the. Uh, there's not a bad song on the record. Yeah, but there are some where they hit it out of the park, and other ones where they're yeah. But the first they sound like they're trying to finish out the batch. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, so this was one of the things that was kind of interesting. So I um, I went and I looked through some reviews from sources that I don't typically that I don't always peruse. Red book, uh, yes, <laughs> red book and <laughs> Reader's Digest, journal. which was weird. Like, what was that? Reader's Digest. Oh yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> well, like they're really short reviews. Yeah, well, on the, and the print is another. <laughs> so. The Reader's Digest condensed preview of, of, of Empire Weekend. <laughs> Don't buy it. It's it's for the kids. Anyway, um, no, I read um, AV Club gave it uh, for the Onion gave it a B minus, and I think you know I probably fall. Maybe I'm a B. Like I don't like it as much as you guys did, but I also feel like this record feels to me. I mean, admittedly, one that I came to late. Uh, it feels to me a little bit like. One of those, maybe once you warm up to it, you'll really you really fall in love with it. Mm. Records rewards and it, repeated listening. It rewards repeated listenings, and it's a little bit of a slow burn, or at least it was for I, me. I thought that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know the way that I, I think that that those are songs are not simple, but sort of simple pop songs. Um, that what was striking to me was the immediacy with which I was bopping. Along to them, for lack of a better bopping, for lack of a letter word, my bop it game. I do own a bop it game. Do you? So no, I don't. Okay, <clears throat> I don't know what a bop it game. Oh, is. that's a kid thing. It's like whack a mole. Is it? Kind of. Okay. I think. Uh, I don't know. Ryan's giving me the Ryan's giving me the side eye because I know a, something about a kid's game. That's all right. Like a little like we, we normally it's dad. Ones. Normally it's dad Kevin that brings up kids games. Kids games. Yeah. Yes, clear constantly. Because <laughs> I, I don't get enough of that in my in my normal life. Um, so a couple of things that I thought were worth mentioning from this um, from this AV Club review, and some of that you guys have already touched on the um, 
They mentioned that Ezra Koenig flirt, uh, creates flirtatious vocal melodies, and I did find some of that present. Like, um, and and they say that he's rarely falling back on the novelty of his lyrics, um, which remain unusual throughout. But that wasn't really my big takeaway. My big takeaway was the the fact that, and I saw this kind of called repeatedly, the idea that there were sort of African flavored hooks. You know that were sort of interspersed with a little bit of this sort of preppy college thing that goes on with that band. So it's a weird mix. Like it's an interesting eclectic sound. The calypso stuff. Yeah, they say African in that. I read that same review, but to me it sounds like Caribbean, like calypso. Well, okay. Sure. Here's the deal. Like if I hadn't ever read a word about this band, I would not. The African thing wouldn't even. Enter really, that's the first thing I noticed about them. Like a couple. Well, of years no. Ago. Well, I, I, you know, they were everywhere when this record dropped. That's right, I said dropped. Oh. Oh, whoa. Uh, the lingo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, it's got Anyhow, sitting down. Uh, no, but I remember, like, I'd never heard the term Afropop. And, like, oh, yeah. suddenly it was everywhere. Um, I also had never thought of uh, Paul Simon's Graceland as a particularly, like, hip record. It's no, not bad. It's not but, bad. and that But was, suddenly yeah. it was, like, cool. <laughs> No, yeah. Paul Simon's record is directly influenced by like I mean Af- well, I would sure. never in a million I would have never thought. By the way, there, there didn't there used to be a show on NPR called Afropop. Um, Could be maybe I don't. Sounds know. like the it, I think I think there was, but um, so I, to me it sounds more West Indies like that sort of. I mean, they're granted they're they're like um, African instruments. I guess that's what they mean. But the way that the music sounds to me is more like I get more steel drum sounding kind of stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. so you're you're thinking it's more Caribbean? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. But this is neither good nor bad. It's just that's what I thought. No, sure. And I well, and I find it interesting. Like I said, for me, it it seems like it's gonna it's a little bit of a slow burn. And so, at the very least, for something that sounds admittedly at part in parts pretty simple, doesn't feel like interpreting it feels simple. Maybe that's one of the things that people ended up liking about mm. that record. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm, the song, I think, I think well, the songs are solid. For me, it could just be that these are such, this is an, such an impossibly preppy white guy record that uh, I don't, you know, what, immediately, whereas Paul Simon, like, kind of, what word do I have? The, uh, do I have boxed in there? Uh, preppy. Yeah. <clears throat> it does, in fact, have preppy yeah. uh, highlighted. Um, yeah, it's, it's a super, you know, we should have like, donned our topsiders and played uh, played yacht rock for the for the game yeah, for the game. sweater vest. Yeah, can, for can a I, few minutes with. Are you guys? Um, I, I was thinking this the other night. I was watching um, Doctor Who. I was not watching Doctor Who. No, I was watching Barcelona, which is the second Wilt Stillman movie. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Wilt Stillman movies. It's Barcelona. It is Barcelona. Barcelona. That's the way they say it. <laughs> yes, it's true. But uh, we're, that's a whole other conversation for another yes. time. Wilt Stillman did Metropolitan, then Barcelona, then he didn't do another movie for like 15, 20 years. And then he did, uh, um, oh my gosh, Greta Gerwig and it came out two years ago. Garfield? No, no. <laughs> and you know that's not what it was, Ryan. Dick, party one, dick. <laughs> now see you. Oh, damsels in distress. Oh, okay. So all of, all, he, has this, he has this very, and, and no pun intended, he, he has a very kind of a stilted, ha ha ha. He has a stilted dialogue, and, and his movies are about... Um, Was it Max von Sydow? Or it's hey, very different, yeah. all right? If you guys won't shut up, I'm and I'm sorry. not going to tell you this. I'm sorry. We're, 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 we're picking we're, up. Go we're ahead. spitballs of Shane right now. Yeah. And so, uh, and he, it takes place, so that's sort of this Ivy League. Um, 
in the Hamptons, people that that, that that you get the impression were or and know that they were raised in you know Connecticut and Hamptons, up upstate New York, and basically this band. So I, I was watching, I'm briefly watching Barcelona, which I haven't seen in years. Barcelona, and um, I uh, I was thinking about this. They they basically should be the house band for for Wilt Stillman movies and early Wes Anderson Wes movies. Wes Anderson. Oh, no, like, they, they've got Wes Anderson, like, all over them, down to their font. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm oh, yeah. Fan. No, that's true, and I didn't even actually think about that. And, um... Like, no, it, it seems like... It, they, they seem like if Wes Anderson, like, had a dream in which he came up with the perfect band, it'd be this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah oh, I have lots of notes about the Wes Anderson. I wish you guys were familiar with that Wilt Stillman stuff, because um, he makes great movies, and... I would be extremely surprised if uh, Ezra Koenig had never seen any of them. Um, we'll have to dig those up. And, you know, another thing about... He was also a great center in the NBA in the 60s. Ezra Well, still... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Hard point. laughs> <Did he? laughs> and he had sex with a lot of ladies, too. He did. One can only assume that they were from great Ivy League schools. Of course. <laughs> and when you're that, and when you're that tall, the upside is when you're that tall to notch the bedpost, you don't even have to get up. Like you can just reach around, like oh, reach yeah. up there and you know, scratch it out, whatever. Well, no, you're number seventy-eight. Congratulations. I think we're at a point now where we need to stop for a second and <laughs> play as Vampire Weekend. Okay. Uh, why don't we do? Uh, what was it Mansard? Mansard Roof. Mansard Roof. A okay. great song. Track number one off Vampire Weekend's Vampire Weekend. Here we go. Mansard roof. The only roof that you need for your roofing needs. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> or for your what mansard. are you talking about? <laughs> channeling uh, like... 50s ads? Well, I think it was ads that would run during professional wrestling when I was a kid. Um, yeah. In any case, that has nothing to do with this song, uh, which I enjoy a great deal. It's a good song. Uh, our, our listeners, um, the half dozen of you or whatever, uh, may notice a difference in sound quality. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is that, Ryan? Uh, I don't know, Kevin. Could you tell us? Yeah, so, uh, well, without getting into super boring details, suffice it to say that... The technical uh, stuff? Well, suffice it to say that the, the cord that connects uh, the big board to, the, to my laptop where when we record these, we typically just leave it in here all the time, but we had to change over some stuff with our Wi-Fi setup at my house, and so it got connected to my printer so we could print stuff out, and then it did not manage to get reconnected in here. So anyway, uh, we've been using enjoy. a laptop mic yeah. uh, without uh, knowing so, it. So if, yeah, so if we, if we were a little bit echoey uh, up to this point, Thanks for hanging in. You weren't. And, you didn't uh, just accidentally get dosed with acid. No, like yeah. we we sounded weird. You're not. You're not. Uh, you haven't been kidnapped in or in an airplane hangar. 
This is actually our show. I don't think any of us have anywhere near enough energy to do the things that you're suggesting we might be capable of doing. I don't know, man. You seem pretty nefarious. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not nefarious. I'm just saying I'm lazy. Oh, well, that's true. (laughs) Nefariously (laughs) lazy. That'd be like the worst rapper ever. (laughs) He'd be like, I'm really bad when I'm up to it. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is not that odd. Up to doing it, you can't yes. do like raps on like sitting. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yes, we 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 failed at we briefly failed at doing the one thing integral to recording this podcast, and that is connecting the microphones to the computer that records our voices, but. The computer continued to record our voices. Hey, and, and you know what? Thank God for that because Shane actually had his mic turned off. Um, we don't know had so, I, had so, I, if I had turned it off. And and apparently um, the rest of us were underwater. So if you managed yeah. to get anything out of the first 20 minutes, bully for you, you're doing it right. Um, let's go back to Vampire Weekend. Let's talk about um, yeah, Manson Root was the first. You know, Ryan, you made – it was the first single you made or one of the singles. You made the comment earlier – that the singles were really what connected you to this record, and we oh, talked about sure. the fact that it's front loaded. Like, well, and this this record just sort of like seeped down to me through you know various channels or whatever. Um, some of it was like we now actually have three alternative radio stations uh, in Austin now, and, and at least a couple of them uh, play some Vampire Weekend stuff. And and what are they um, alternative to exactly? Like, is it alternative to one another? Or well, uh, I, I, I don't want to sidebar on this too much. I don't know yeah. what the hell 101X is alternative to at this point, because um, their slogan like, should be, hey, remember the 90s? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, yeah, I, and we'll throw in some Imagine Dragons here. Yeah, there, uh, just occasionally. Two isn't very... Yeah, and that format point. actually... Uh, Back in the day when I interned in radio, I don't know if it still is called this, but it was called New Rock, which in 101X's case would be ironic. Well, no, yeah, I guess the, <coughs> the parlance there is – I, I do think that there are some – yeah, there are some of those stations that do a lot of anthem rock. and So this is clearly not one of those type records. And um, Shane, Less Led Zeppelin, more Nirvana. Yes. Uh, in any case, uh, you know, through various channels, uh, I just – you know, heard a couple of these singles, and I found myself. And we'll actually we'll we'll make this one the next one we go into. But um, I had this like obsession with the the single A Punk um, for like a couple weeks, where I'd just come home from work and turn it on like daily. Um, Dance around in your underwear, something like that. Tom Cruise, yeah. Um, oddly enough, I had an ex girlfriend who that was like precisely a thing that she liked to do. Good with God. me, this, she called. Have it. you dance around in your underwear like well, Tom Cruise? She would, she no, watched? she would. No, she would too. Not like Tom Cruise, uh, like but, but she was. She was like going to have an underwear dance party. I was like, yes. <laughs> it wasn't her like. Fetish. We would drink wine and, and watch you know YouTube videos and dance around our underwear. It's not weird. Like in <laughs> and like pink and white striped shirts and, and tidy whiteies, or like, I think I, I was typically in boxers. Okay. So it's not exactly the Tom Cruise yeah. fetish. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, back to Vampire <laughs> Weekend. Vampire <laughs> Weekend, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a band. Louise. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but we talked. The other thing that we talked about a little bit in the break was um, was the uh, sort of the Wes Anderson illusions, like you know that like these guys are they're really into being quirky. It's quirky with a capital Q. It's true. Well, and did any of you guys uh, discover what um, 
uh, what's his name, Ezra. I don't know if it's Koenig or Koenig. There's a there's a road here in Austin um, that locals pronounce Koenig, but it's spelled the exact same way as uh, Ezra. Oh, well, and there's a Houston Koenig. Street in New York, so there's you know yeah, all who, are who knows. Yeah, uh, but he was in a rap band in college prior to forming Vampire Weekend that was called like. Well, L apostrophe H O M M E, so the French word for man, which is uh, l'homme. Oh, yeah. Run. Um, the man. <clears throat> yeah, but it was a play on the words home run, uh, and apparently people didn't take them very seriously. Um, it sounds like maybe they didn't take themselves very seriously, or well, yep, I don't know. The, the article I was reading, uh, you know, he was like, it was hard for me to take the project very seriously when no one else would. But anyway, fortunately for the rest of us, he did not stick with that, and he. Vampire Weekend and well, speaking of things that that he didn't take very seriously, you know, um, or do you know uh, where the name came from? I do not. It's a it's a student. It came from a student film that he w- that he wrote and um, was directing. Um, I think during freshman and sophomore year of college, um, and it was basically like a like a East Coast version of the Lost Boys. Oh, mm. like uh, did it take place over a weekend? Like kind of a Bernie situation? That's, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. I'm uh, well, yes, I'm assuming it took place over the weekend. But that was going to because we could it was do like be a like it. a weekend at Bernie's sequel with, but like this would actually be <laughs> more plausible than the actual weekend at Bernie's sin- Undead sequel. Weekend at Bernie. Because if he was a vampire, <laughs> you know, he'd be he's technically dead anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That actually, somebody needs <laughs> to vampire write that down. vampire weekend at Bernie. Somebody go out there, make it. <laughs> somebody needs to write that down if and start you, making calls. You, there's at least fifteen dollars in revenue right there. <laughs> I'd watch it. Yeah. So yeah, he abandoned the project after two days, and um, which, um, interestingly enough, is the length of a weekend. That in fact is the length of a weekend. I'm just saying, Hence. it all adds up. Yeah, well, you're a sleuth, my friend. <laughs> did you ever read Encyclopedia Brown when you were a kid? I did, and in fact, my uncle was uh, friends with Donald J. Sobel, and when he told me that when I was in fifth grade, he, he said something about like his friend writes these Encyclopedia Our Brown books. Our uncle was an old uh, was a newspaper executive, newspaper so. guy. Yeah. Um, and so he mentioned that his friend wrote these Encyclopedia Brown books, and I, like, lost my shit. I just got a boner right now. <clears throat> yeah. I was like, you're friends with Donald J. Sobel? And <laughs> <laughs> just included the J. Well, that's, like, well, that's he'd be like, you mean Don? My friend Don? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in fact, I did, in fact, read those books. There's a lot of sleuthing going it's on. It's true. I, so, so, uh, go oh, please. Go no, no, no. By well, one thing that I, that I think we haven't spent a lot of time on. Um, but we always make a point of circling back to, and I think we should now, are, is lyrical content. Because there's, like, it's a, you know, we talked a little bit about the fact that there's some, there's some quirk happening here. Um, and Shane, that's, you know, you're, you're a lyric guy. You like, that's where you hang your hat. What's, yeah. What stood out to you? Well, I'm just, one of the things that, and before I start talking about, I mean, I was mentioning to someone uh, recently that the next record we were going to be talking about was Vampire Weekend. And she was like – and I, I, I quoted – I actually wrote it down. Um, and she said, I like them, but it's hard to s- tell their songs apart. And I think – I felt that a little I, bit I, I can kind of get that. I see – like there, there's a lot of um, – we were talking about Sammy last week. This is, this is like um, – this is even more so than Ty Siegel in my mind. Um, but I, even though I like the lyrics more of a – it's more of a – 
straight listen. Like I could listen to this album all the way through. I guess maybe because of the sameness, it's just different. But um, a lot of the reason why I think is because of that Calypso influence. And and the other reason is a lot of these lyrics sound like they were written by somebody that was 19 years old in a Ivy League school. Um, Oddly enough. I know. Um, a lot of them... To be fair, I, th- I think these guys were more like 23. Um, no, I think a lot of the... I mean, there, there's one of the... On, on the song Campus, which is a good song, uh, I mean, he just... Right there, it's called Campus. And so you're walking across the campus, cruel professors, studying romances. Um, but then he also has a really, what I think he thought was clever... Um, Interesting qualifier. Yes. Uh, well, a line about spilling kefir on... Uh, what? How do you pronounce it, Ryan? Oh, we, we just had, we were. Yeah, k- k- kafir was it? Yeah, the, uh, he's anyway. He's just using words all in the song that that, that sort of are um, fifty cent words. He does that a lot in his lyrics, like just a <laughs> little. I actually pulled the New York Times review for this record, and uh, one of the, one of the opening line in this review is out, that says, "Outside of marching bands and glee clubs." Hardly a group anywhere is as proudly collegiate as Vampire Weekend. Yes. And I think that's uh, totally true. <clears throat> yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. There's actually, it reminded me of uh, it's a short version to a longer story that I won't tell. Uh, I was, uh, I was, we, the, my office, we just moved offices, and one of the mm-hmm. guys that I, that I work with had his diploma in his back seat, like frame diploma. And we, for whatever reason, we had to get his card and go somewhere. And I like that, that's where he keeps it. Or well, I just there I think he was transit. just trying to move it to his office or whatever. Yeah. But I but I got in the I got in the car and I was like, "Is that your diploma?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "You know, you can just say that you went somewhere on your resume. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have <laughs> no, no, to no, no, I've got proof, that around man. with you." <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah, these guys loved being in college. And maybe they, maybe they he knows some that. diploma truthers. But it's Perhaps. not it's not just yeah. the being in college; it's the embracing of the whole Ivy League thing. Like there, there's one song, Cape Cod Quasa Quasa, and then there's another song later, um, which uh, is one of two Cape Cod songs. On yeah, this there's another one later like, yeah. um, that he talks about uh, Cape Cod. Then there's another song later. Blake's got a new face where he's directly referencing old San Juan about vacationing in Puerto Rico and. You know, the, the so, sort of it, hard it, knocks life that they came up with. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. starts getting at some point. It stops getting interesting after the first few songs, and it it's. Did you ever see that? Um, oh, now I'm I'm I, again I'm I'm saying and I, and I completely forget when you when you watch movies about old money families fighting and and dissolving. It's I'm. It, Sorry, it's it, get, it doesn't feel it, real. It, it doesn't yeah. feel real, and yeah. it stops being interesting after a couple yeah. of minutes. I actually thought, in uh, most ways, this record was very similar to Straight Outta Compton. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Like, yeah, because well, you know, because these guys, you know, one group, I'll let you know which, might shoot you in the face, and the other group uh, has is in uh, WA has some <laughs> yeah, right. has, has nice shoes sorry you just teed that up for me like, yeah, yeah. I did for you. <laughs> so anyway but um but yeah no i did think it was really interesting one the the one lyric that gets pulled in this new york times review was um they said 
they they actually this guy actually made the point that the music is so perky that the lyrics can be cryptic and you just sort of breeze right through it because of the way it sonically like the way the composition is and he said uh, he pulled the pulled the lyrics eyes like a seagull no Candace born beetle could ever come close to that free from Mansard Roof and anyway it, if you, even if you look at it I was like I don't all right I don't really know, that, know that, that that's an important pull quote yeah but. Uh, there are some bands like, that their their music is definitely built around lyrics, and lyrics matter more. But there, then there are not even arguably brilliant bands like Radiohead that have quite obtuse lyrics. Certainly, um, well, and intentionally. So. Well, and it, it, yeah, it, I know, yeah. I know. But the music more. I mean, that's they're not a lyric based. It band. seems to no. me that it just this is my own personal impression, but it seems to me that the, the lyrics on this record are like decoration. You know, that's like, interesting. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I mean, and granted, like, just kind of the way I, I embrace music, I don't know that well. Like, I don't necessarily dive into lyrics unless they're egregiously bad or ridiculously good. Um, but I don't really remember at any point going like, oh, that was really clever. You know? Um, I will say this, though. I did not know what an Oxford comma was, I was called. Gonna, I was going to say, that's pretty clever. <laughs> Who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma? Well, yeah. And no, no, no. And that's, and, but actually, I do. Um, I, I knew too. I knew the rule, and I liked I liked to use it. Um, I did not know what it was called. But it's a great but, line. I mean, the yeah, line is really no. Clever. I'm with you. And so the thing that I thought about is um, Ryan, our our one of our music journalist friends, is is a staunch supporter of the Oxford comma and very big on it. And I couldn't help but wonder if like maybe that was something that. Well, well, and we, we should clarify what the Oxford comma actually is. It's the, oh, sure. It's the optional comma that when you're, you know, when you've got comma and that you don't necessarily have to use, um, but some people are very pro Oxford comma, which I am. It's right. before the correlating conjunction. Anyway, anybody yeah. awake? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh I, I do love the fact that uh, we we were actually talking about Oxford commas last. I don't know if it were. After the show last time, or, or time before, you guys would have heard this, but but the two of you would have um, when I played you guys that uh, Word Crimes Weird Al Yankovic song. Oh, that's true. Song, and yeah. he talks about an Oxford comma in that. Well, and I think yeah, I think the Oxford. So a comma fucking is Weird Al is referencing Oxford commas. Good lord, he it's, gives it's, a fuck about an Oxford comma. Well, it's it's reached clearly reached uh, saturation point in the culture. Are we? Why don't we play that goddamn song? <laughs> All right, so uh, Oxford comma. Yeah, okay. we should. All right, let's spin it. Here it is, Oxford comma. Gives a fuck about an Oxford comma I seen those English dramas too I give a fuck about an Oxford comma. Um, so do yes, you? that was I do. Um, you and Weird Al. Yeah, not enough to write a song about it, but um, certainly enough to employ it. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, I, I dig that song quite a bit. Uh, one of the singles that um, you know uh, drew me to this record. And it doesn't sound like a lot of other things that are out there, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. Other than other Vampire Weekend songs. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Vampire Weekend songs sound like vamp. It's like the Smiths. Yeah. yeah. You know it when you, you hear it. You know it when you hear it, yeah. 
So uh, look at the time, boys. Yeah, inter- like, intermission time, and uh, yeah, let's take that break. And somebody likes it, uh, or, or I'm sorry, um, a, a few, few minutes, minutes with. with. Uh, game within the game on that is just how many times we're going to fuck up the name of the intermission. But yeah, it's yeah. a few minutes with. We're going to go to the uh, intermission, and then we'll have a little something different to share for you with you guys for a few minutes. And then we'll come back to Vampire Weekend. <laughs> Okay, so we're at the point in the show where we talk about, uh, where we do our little intermission segment, which we like to call A Few Minutes With, and I gotta say, I wasn't feeling radical a minute ago, but now I'm feeling newly radical. Newly radical? I am, I am, I am, I'm kind of feeling it. I'm a little radical. Somewhat radical. So it's the somewhat radical? It's a a, a new sensation. Is that the radical in... Sort of you're about to assassinate a head of state? No. Or is that a radical as in you are Sean Penn in a movie in the early 80s? Uh, Maybe neither. Yeah. I would like to think there's some gray wait, wait, throw, Throwing like a, like a Hawaii hang loose. Sign. Aloha, Mr. Hand. Yeah, so um, – yeah, and there's a weird sidebar to that story, which we won't get into right now. But the um, – but – uh, I did want to. This was it was my week to pick the uh, sort of game within the game song, the, what we call the uh, a few minutes with. It's tune. so Matrix. It is a little. And um, anyway, uh, I chose the new Radicals track, uh, "Get What You Give," which I didn't really know when it came out, and I didn't know the story until a long time ago, like a long time after that. And I was actually talking to my wife about this stuff when. When we first decided to to play with this segment, and she was like, "Oh my god, you should totally do that song," and then she told me the backstory on it, and I was like, "Oh well, shit! Now I have to do it." What's the backstory? So the backstory is, is that so if you if you look on certain music services, they'll show you like the number of times that that songs have been downloaded for a for a band's catalog, and you can really like we talked about we've talked about the one hit wonder bands to death but this song like dwarfs everything else their catalog catalog like tenfold like it's got oh, like certainly. eight or nine million downloads compared well they to, were like, only a band for like two years they broke up before their second single yeah, came out. yeah so anyway but part of the deal was this song caught fire and um and it just happened that their single was uh railed against the sort of excesses of the music industry and like sort of like acts that were meanwhile this, that, 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 no it but that's the okay continue because sure uh, I have a lot to say about this yeah. okay so. yeah so anyway but that was that was the that was the angle at least and there's there was a lot to be made in the last few like the the last stanzas of the song or sort of all about this like you know getting up in the face of and the and the acts that they want that that um, Greg Alexander. And new radicals want to get up in the face of are pretty funny too because it's like well, Marilyn Manson and Hanson and Beck and I don't know I don't remember who the Courtney other Love oh, Courtney, Courtney Love, Love. Yeah. oh holy shit who's always spoiling for a fight so that's kind of perfect anyway um, but yeah and people just like ate this song up like crazy none when it came of out. those but, acts by the way relate to each other in any way. Like he could, he well. Other he, than he, it's like he went out there with with some dice and rolled dice 
and picked like these random four well, musical acts that were somewhat prominent. Other than the, the fact that Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson, aka Brian Warner, which is what she calls him, um, have railed against each other in public, but um, but, but their audiences don't yeah. listen. To, no, they don't listen to it, each other. I mean, I guess they do somewhat, but it's not really cross pollinating. Well, and, and definitely I, not Beck. And not definitely not Hanson, though Beck's, Beck's name last is name is Hanson. I know. I thought that was funny too, and probably unintended by the by uh, the songwriter. Oh. And and I do think that one thing that's that's pretty fascinating um, is that Greg Alexander is the guy who who wrote the song that it's probably that uh, for Begin Again, which uh, got produced by Judd Apatow. That that. Um, and the and uh, the guy whose name escapes me that did once, um, and oh. yeah, they collaborated on yeah they collaborated on that. Well, not it's not um, Glenn Hansard, but the guy who actually made that movie with Glenn Hansard as as the star. Oh yeah, the, that guy collaborated with Corman. Wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, the, anyway, that guy collaborated. Andy yeah. Yeah. Super. Dudes. So uh, yeah, that guy collaborated with Judd Apatow, and um, and they made a movie called Begin Again. And anyway, the um, the sent the tracks that are central to that are really terrific, and they're collaborative efforts. And the ones that are sort of the one that is the sort of main cornerstone track in that movie uh, was written by Greg Alexander. And so there are there's been a lot of chatter. That when uh, Oscar season rolls around, that that might get uh, well. It's probably going to be favored to win an Oscar. And so anyway, it's just a weird circuitous path. That guy's got a very strange career, and that band had a very sort of short mercurial moment. And uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about. It. And they shot the whole video. We always watch the video if we can. We just they shot. The video. They shot the video in a mall. Uh, Apparently, because they, you know, he was railing against sort of commercialism. But See, you know, whatever. Okay, like, so that's where, like, when he's doing, when I, I was saying, what kind of radical? Uh, I never really. I and never it's, really, I think it's a tongue-in-cheek radicalism. Oh no, no, no! I think the guy takes himself extremely seriously. Well, that, and that could be. True. And I'll tell you why I think that. Um, well, so, it was signed to a major, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no! But no. I think that he takes himself very seriously with the with the with the lyrics that he's he's throwing out there to. to Push the envelope with or whatever he's doing, but uh, so <sighs> Shane is exasperated. I'm exasperated by this dude. <laughs> um, so uh, follow. I'm going to read something to you real quick. Do it. So we were talking it. about before about the about the naming of the bands at the end of the song. There's it's this kind of like like almost rap part at the end of the song where he's talking really quickly and it, it it's not the melody he's been singing before and he's no and, it's and, his and, final exclamation point yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah and it's it's all of this stuff and it's just platitudes it means nothing it's but well okay I'll, I'll read the lyrics to you first um Health insurance ripoff lying, FDA big bankers buying, fake computer crashes dining, cloning while they're multiplying and apparently after a lot of uh, the media got involved in, in pointing this out about uh, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson and stuff, he then at that point said that the lyrics that he tagged on to the end of the song were an experiment to see if the media would focus on the real issues or on the celebrity ridicule. Okay, I'm going to read you the real issues in the beginning of the song. Uh-oh. 
Wake up, kids. We've got the dreamer's disease. Age 14, we got you down on your knees. Wait, which we are we talking about? The ki- are you associating with the kids that have the dreamer's disease or the or their knees? Right. And so assuming oh, the the uh, character of the the corporate oppressor. Yeah, well he's yeah. and then he swaps the the character in the next verse, the next line, and then so again, this is his idea of um, of really cutting uh, political satire or whatever. So polite, you're busy still saying please, frenemies who, when you're down, ain't your friend. Every night we smash their Mercedes Benz. First we run and then we laugh till we cry. Oh yeah, okay. So that's what you want the media to. T- that's what essentially the guy is saying. Like he wants the media to concentrate on that inanity instead of the tacked on stuff, which is just as inane. At the end, you didn't can, do that on purpose. Can, you wrote that at the same fucking time as you wrote the rest of those stupid lyrics. It's it's worth noting that this is the first uh, this is the first sort of major instance of the word frenemy, which has become part of the lexicon. Definitely, like. And I think that's kind of interesting, too. Like, Hey, if this guy yeah. did nothing else the rest of his he, life, yeah. at least he's he, got that. He's he, got frenemy. He, he put out one of the most annoying terms <laughs> of the <laughs> last 15, is that 20 years. Portmanteau? Is that, is that what that's called? <laughs> yes. Could be. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but ju- ju- just don't forget, he had the music in him. Or actually, we have the no, music yeah, in Yeah, you've us. got the music in you. Uh, and Shane, you do have the music in you. Also, I've seen, I've seen it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, if you if you do get a chance to watch the video, one thing that I will say is get to the point where he's in the glass elevator because it seems like he might be being electrocuted. Like, well, no, he pulls off like a, a white boy James Brown spin move. Oh, no, well, it's not James minus Brown at the all. Spin. Kevin said James Brown, but I, I was no Ryan said. Ryan oh, Ryan, excuse me. One of the Newsom said James Brown, but I was assuming when that when that was uttered, it was as sarcastic as possible. Oh, oh, well, a little bit. I was actually referring to the former UT Longhorn quarterback from uh, the early '90s, James Brown. Oh, oh, you were. Same no. thing, though. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, fellas, I, I have one more thing I want to say before we before right, get wrap it in. This up. It's very I, important. I, I just have to talk about his lyrics one more time. I'm 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 reading some more. Um, this is his genius, brilliant lyrics that uh, he just wanted to make sure that the media would concentrate on. Um, can't forget, you only get what you give. 4 a.m. We ran a miracle mile. We're flat broke, but hey, we do it in style. The bad rich, God's flying in for your trial. My oh, favorite. Oh, so that's what he wants the media to concentrate on the serious issues. Where's the fuck it, that you say the word God? But, uh, well, I don't know, man. I, I find it deep. Um, can, can I just say that my favorite part of the of Shane Reed's lyrics, which I wish we had music around that, is is the is it's like the exas we get to the exasperated crescendo and then it's just silence and then he just lets it sit there and Ryan and I kind of look at each other and then Shane goes I'll tell you what you should think about it here's what you should think about it <laughs> well, we need I don't want to we need we need like a beat poetry snare kind of when he yeah, does that right. yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say uh, uh, the I, whole. Uh, wait, I'll read some more to you. This whole damn uh, world you, can fall apart. You'll be okay. Follow your heart. It's ridiculously stupid. All right, the, I, I, can I just say this? I think it's a good pop song. I don't give a fuck about the lyrics. I think it's a good pop song. It's, it's a cheesy pop. It's, song. It's, it's propulsive and catchy it and like propulsive. and I genuinely like don't mind listening to it. Now I'm not trying to learn anything from it, um, but there's a reason that it's got 13 million or whatever the. 
fuck views uh, on YouTube. Yeah, the, and there's a reason that two and a half men have ten million views a week. People right. have shitty taste in Touché. entertainment. Uh, I I generally think I don't have particularly shitty taste in entertainment, but I'm not like this is a this is like a, having like a cr- uh, cream soda flavored dum dum. It's good. It's not good for you. There's not it's particularly so, substant- yeah. substantive. Like, really but I can enjoy it for whatever. That tastes like Hemingway. <laughs> I don't know that I want to taste anything that tastes like Hemingway. <laughs> All right. We've got, uh, we've got more Vampire Weekend coming up next. So that was Get What You Give. We're back out of it and uh, back to Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend, Vampire Weekend. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the album Vampire so Weekend's nice. eponymous self-titled 2008 record of <laughs> which that they named after themselves. <laughs> like, I was going to call it the uh, record so nice they named it twice. Sort of like a New York thing, which they're I into. I think we all but... got the New York reference. Did we? Did we all Did get we? it, Shane? Did we okay, shame? I got it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Kevin and I ain't that bright. Sure. Anyway, um, but Ryan, you talked a little bit about the fact that there was a track that you that you gravitated to on this record. Well, this just happens like very occasionally in my life that that a song will, you know, worm its way into my brain and just doesn't want to leave. And definitely A Punk uh was that was that song for me. To the to the point where I took a uh, kids, I work at a restaurant. Um, we he took, took a, some kids. What? I took some kids to a restaurant. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what that meant. <laughs> no, uh, I, was, danger. Danger. I was referring to our listeners as kids, which they may be fully grown adults for all I know. Sure. Uh, but in any case, uh, I do work at a restaurant. Uh, we had a holiday a few months back, and uh, our proprietor took us all to a winery. Sort of a long way to get around. To talk about. I brought along my auxiliary cable and. Uh, one of the gentlemen I was with wanted to play a bunch of music, and I had to listen to this before I let him play any of his music. You are so like that. Like you, you, you when, once something gets in your brain, you have to do. Well, I mean, no, I mean, like, okay, they wouldn't have any music without me. I was like, I just want to hear one. Then you play whatever the fuck you want. But no, like, I'm, I'm saying you as a human being, like you definitely yeah. have you have that. No, but when I, yeah, when I get it in me, like it, and it's it's a little OCD. I get it. Um, but well, I, just, I I have a little bit of that too. I mean, and we're yeah. related, but but yeah, there's a there is something that's pretty magical about connecting with a song, and if you connect with something enough that you want to go home and listen to it every day for a while, like I mean, it was a couple weeks, yeah. like like every day, I would come home and listen to a punk, um, and it just has you know components that for whatever reason 
like hit me where I live, and one of them is jangly guitars and like you know, Uncle. You Wait, know? Yeah. it's a good song. It's it's good. It's got this little staccato thing that's going on because a lot of what they're doing, like they 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 manage to mix little legato, which is like long flowing lines with like mm-hmm. little staccato bursts here and there. And this song is just pretty much all like really punk, like early. It, it's almost like uh, the transition between. Um, uh, punk and new wave, like right, right. In, in certain ways, it doesn't really sound. The whole song is is definitely brighter and more and, and poppier. Uh, I love this song, and and I didn't want to. The first um, time I became, or, or 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 when I first became aware of this band, um, was through something that really annoyed me. And she would sing this was song. It, oh, so it's a girl. Yeah, I thought it was Ryan. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, yeah well Ryan yeah. definitely really. Well, sometimes annoyed. he refers to me as she. Also, <laughs> sure. like a boat. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, I can't boat Cephas. Exactly, boat Cephas. She devil. No, she used to sing this song all the time. So then, the first time I ever heard it, I was like, I didn't want to like it that much. And then the second time I heard it, I was like, Uncle, fine. Yeah, dude, it's good. I mean, I don't know what you you want. Uh, I will say this though. Um, this song has 26 million plus views on YouTube, um, but this record has only barely gone gold. So it's a new era. Like, <clears throat> like no, I think that's true. And and I, uh, God, I guess I was in the car and listening to um, some folks talk about the same conversation that we had on this show weeks ago in in regard to like who watches videos and where videos get watched. And the way that, you know, obviously there are people who are way ahead of the curve on this or it's just completely organic to them to look things up on YouTube before they would expect to see it anywhere else. But, yeah, delivery methods change and the model has changed. The model's changed for a long time now. Um, But it's interesting. Like, people are still famous and makes gobs of money. Well, I I think this band makes its money on the road. Um, You make it on the road and you make it from licensing. Vampire Weekend... It's one of the most licensed, um, other than um, oh my god, what I can't think of their name. What what's the damn White Stripes ripoff? And I hate the White Stripes ripoff. <laughs> the, uh, the White Stripes, the Black Keys. Oh, the Black Keys. Another uh, band with two people in it. With, Garage with the color, yeah. yeah, in their name. Yeah, the Black Keys. Black Keys and Vampire Weekend. I remember uh, about four or five years ago, Stephen Colbert having them on the show when they had a license off. To see which band deserved the alternative Grammy the most that year, and that would be, according to Colbert's logic, the band that had been licensed the, the most, most to to get the alternative Grammy, yeah. which is like a oxymoron in and of itself. And it Vampire yeah. Weekend won that year, I believe. But whether they won or not, it, they're just like we'd like to thank we went everybody. About Twelve or thirteen with, well, commercials. You guys, you guys remember? No, 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 they won the Grammy, but they also, I mean, they they were licensed in. Uh, commercials that were in the double digits, and you got to think about it. every time that you're licensed in there, you're you're probably talking about between one hundred fifty and five hundred thousand dollars. Oh, sure. Uh, well, you remember like as recently as maybe ten years ago, it was like a badge of sellout if you licensed your music to like some corporate commercial, and that is not the case anymore. It is not the case anymore. And there were and and to be <clears throat> fair, there were certain genres. That were exempt from that. Like the hip hop guys could go out and do that. Oh, all they'd day just long, be like, "Yeah, money, money, money," and it'd be like, "No problem." That was but- a large part of the content of their lyrics. What I find funny is, is recently, a lot of people that I've heard. In fact, you rarely ever hear the word "sellout," but 
most of the people that I hear the word sellout from, if I ever hear it anymore, it are either really young or uh, kind of their genre of choice is metal. And these are two of the people that are least likely to pay – two of the genres of people that are least likely to pay for music when they're listening to it. You know, like somebody, mm-hmm. that's, somebody that's 16 that's talking about a sellout, but then they're going to find every possible way that they can to not pay for the song that they're going to listen to. Well, to be fair, we do that too. No, no, no. Of course, but I'm saying – but I but, uh, we're talking about people using the word sellout. Yeah, no, no. It's true. And, and like I, I don't think the term means anything anymore. Like it's, no, it's I don't know if it ever did really. I mean, I don't think it ever did. I mean, maybe if you like, okay, Billy Idol is once in Generation X, and like his solo stuff to me is shit. Um, maybe that's him I'm cashing in. Away, by the way, for, for a record in the future. Oh, great, man! I <laughs> don't let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Uh, but I think your your point is interesting in that. I do think that all that stuff is contextual. Like, the, you know, some of it is. Some of it is. You're young and you wanna you wanna raise your fist against something. I and, certainly had fiercer integrity when I was younger. Uh, I don't know if it was genuine, but like I felt like I had an identity, you know. And well, um, he, and here's the other question to ask. Like, so what happens when? And I've asked myself this question too, and I don't necessarily know that there's an easy answer. But, like, what happens when you recognize fierce integrity, younger you, colliding with older, more reasoned you? Like, you know, and, the, and you don't necessarily have the same take that you did years ago. Well, fierce integrity, younger me, was also fiercely irresponsible, like, spend money you don't have, and, like, oh, yeah, bills? Um yeah, there's a little bit of a disconnect. I don't think that reason and integrity necessarily mean. I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I, I would say rather than fierce integrity, I would say enthusiastic, overly enthusiastic. Sure, you. and that's a fair yeah. way to couch it. Sure, yeah, totally. Because I, I, I mean, I, I think about Patton Oswalt talking about how in his early 20s he was so enthusiastic about bands, and you ask 40 year old Patton Oswalt, he's like, eh, I like this band. Yeah, it's well, very, that, that definitely happens. It gets dialed down. You well, and maybe that's yeah. Maybe the maybe I, the reality is, and maybe this is the slow burn toward uh, becoming a crotchety old man. I don't know, but but uh, but I think part of it is you recognize like what it is that you give a shit about, and you focus your attention on those things, and then the things that don't sort of meet those criteria, and spe- instead of spending a lot of time sort of railing against them, you're just like. Eh, yeah, just it's not get it out of my way, and yeah, we're cool. It's fine. like, yeah, don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know if that. I mean, I, I hear people say that all the time. I mean, for me personally, like, I'm, I'm definitely just, I'm, I'm not as enthusiastic. I feel like I'm more reasoned, like to take a word that you just said when it comes to for me personally. But this is a bunch of three old guys talking about them. We, we are middle aged dudes, is what we are. <laughs> Why don't we play a punk? So this is the song that, uh, yeah, I, for a couple weeks, like even in my 40s, just needed to come home and listen to every day. So, I don't know. All right. Let's do a punk.
Yeah, that's your jam. <laughs> that is my jam. <clears throat> Dude. That and Blackberry Preserves. Have you ever... Uh, <laughs> perfect. Have you ever... Have you ever... Like, so... If, if, if you could soundtrack your life, would that be one of the songs that, like... That you would put in certain situations where if you could just, like, flip a switch... And I want that played entry, at my funeral. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that that song could be interchangeable with the Ramon song and the Royal Tenenbaums, where 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 Bill Murray's reading like all of the the, the file on Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, and it's just that Ramon song, like where all the guys that she's had sex with and all that stuff. Like, I think that song could be. You're just looking at me like well, my cause dad I, looks at me when I read him Nietzsche. There's a reason for that. I don't really like no, that movie that much. That's another sidebar. And I, I like Wes Anderson and all that. But, yeah, like this is – they're a Wes Anderson-type band that I like better than Wes Ander- most Wes Anderson movies. I actually like a couple sure. of them quite a bit. Can I, can I just – this is uh, – and we'll just – such a short sidebar. But my favorite part of uh, Royal Tenenbaums is the backstory that I got uh, from – I guess some of the notes on that movie, were, which is that Gene Hackman, uh, at one point, they were shooting one of the scenes, and he realized that Royal Tenenbaum was standing directly in front of the Statue of Liberty in the shot, and he was like, "I should move, so like, you should, so you guys could get that in." And Wes Anderson said, "No, no, it's Royal Tenenbaum. He wouldn't give a shit that he was standing in front of the, the Statue of Liberty." <laughs> and so funny. it is, and I, you know. And by the same token, um, you know, the uh, Vampire Weekend uh, had an incident with one of their covers. Not of this record. This record was fine. One of their what? Covers. One of their one of the one of the they album covered covers. somebody else. No, one of the one of oh, their the album, album covers. Co- oh, album covers. So the uh, and I don't know which I don't remember which um, which title it was, but the one with the sort of. Uh, blonde model girl on the oh, cover. Contra? Yes. Their second album. Yes. Uh, apparently, there was some controversy around she didn't know that she was going to be on that cover. and Yeah, that's uh, important. Yeah. And then she was, and of course, uh, I'm sure it was everywhere. And so, um, yeah, that'll get you stopped in the supermarket. It will. Um. <laughs> Can I say something real quick before we... I hope you do. We, we go further with this, and that... Um, Every time that I saw when I I like to I like to read stuff about the band when I'm when I'm listening to the album I usually listen to it a couple times through and make notes and every time I saw um, <laughs> anything about their bass player Chris Bayo B A I O of course my brain immediately Scott Bayo like changed it out with Scott Ch- Bayo was Chachi in charge. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I thought about I thought about what it would be like if if, if Scott Bayo if if like Vampire Weekend had played on an episode of Happy Days, they could have been. I don't even know what like, to do with this premise. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the restaurant? What would it like, be like or something? Al's? Yeah. Well, I mean, they and they it, would always have bands. Well, and Weezer shit. actually did that video. Oh Christ! It's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, so maybe you're not as original as you thought. Have you never huh? said I was original. I'm just telling you what <laughs> kept going into my brain. Every time I saw Bayo, I would snicker to myself thinking about Scott Bayo. Well, let's. I mean, let's let's. Uh, Ryan, you started down the Miller route, so let's pivot a jeté. And uh, <laughs> jeté back to Coolsville. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, overall, broad strokes on on the record. 
absolutely solid, you know, like brilliant singles. A uh, couple songs that, that weren't singles, uh, you know, I don't know that we necessarily have time to get into them now, but like a couple of the songs that weren't singles, also brilliant. Peter's out a little bit towards the end. I yeah. think it's halfway. I, I honestly... I mean, I, I'd, I'd give it an A-. minus. Like, uh, I'd say a solid B... B plus. I'd say a B plus. A B cup. Oh, a solid oh. B, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably you, in the if, B if, camp as well. In the B camp? Yeah, but... Um, but I, but I do think, like, akin to what I said earlier, like, it's just one of the... I feel like I'm not done rolling around in it yet. and uh, Much and, like my dog, would it be done rolling around in whatever she rolls around in? Exactly. Yes. So, I'm sure it is. Lucy. And it's exactly the same. Either any dog, really, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so, that's Vampire Weekend, Vampire Weekend. We've got a few things coming up again. Um uh, our friend Jeff Ryder will join us next week. Um, Shane, do you want to talk about what next week brings? Okay, so next week might be a, a plus-sized episode. I'm I'm thinking a little... It's the Lane Bryant of podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of malls... <laughs> you got the music in you, Ryan. Uh, no, I haven't seen Jeff in a while, and um, and we're gonna have to warm him up into what we're doing here. And also, I think that I. So I was saying earlier that I last week, you know, at the end of the show, we always sort of tease what the next couple of weeks are gonna be. Um, and my album, or the album that I'd picked for next week, was um, Phanogram Voices, and. Um, but instead, uh, I changed my mind because we, we've done two really recent albums. Uh, I feel like we've we, uh, women have been underrepresented in the show, um, other than certainly in my garage. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. It's the the uh, He Man Woman Haters Club over here. <laughs> no, no, definitely sticking with the with of, the of the ones that that live here. One of them should be in bed, and the other one wants to be in bed. So, like that hasn't that that. Uh, hasn't meant that hasn't had anything to do with what we've actually programmed, but um, but yeah, we haven't done too too much uh, content down that road. I'm just watching him try it. Like I'm watching the plane go. That's all right. Yeah, we've got no. Okay. He pulled it out. Yeah. Um, so next week the album is uh, Janet Jackson Control, the debut album by Janet Jackson. Oh uh, yes, Michael Jackson's sister. We'll all be featuring nip slips. Oh, this is way, way before. Dude, that. I am totally gonna nip slip during but, that, that episode. <laughs> but, but it is—it'll be shocking, shocking. <laughs> yeah, it is the um, the album that produced the immortal line, "Miss Jackson, if you're nasty." Nice. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and and so Kevin. Maybe she had some. Well, friends. and I've got no. I've got. What's your the, song next week? Well, I've been waffling. I was wa- I was gonna do uh, generational Spinoza, but. Just some of our uh, between recording banter. I think I want it to be when in Rome, the promise. So uh, I think that's I'll, a I'll, good pick. Yeah, I'll hold generationals back for another for another episode. But um, yeah, the promise by when in Rome, promise, promise. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I can't wait to go once to you hear it, you'll it. never unhear it. Promise. You'll never yeah, promise. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is like promise. Hey, hey, man, promise. <laughs> All right, and, and Kevin, what is yours in two weeks? Do you have your album yet, or do you want to hold on? Um, you know what? Let me percolate on that yet, because uh, I don't know. But but I will, and by next week, I'll have that to share. 
All right, guys. So we're signing off. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. This is Somebody Likes It. Bye now.